and welcome to the Kaiwa podcast, a space for students to have conversations about relevant topics, inspire listeners far and wide, and empower the APU community through conversations. I am Dorcas Mendin. I come from Liberia, and I'm currently a fourth semester student here at APU. I will be hosting today's episode, and with me are three remarkable guests who I'm really excited to talk to. But before I give them the chance to introduce themselves, I'm just going to give a bit of an overview of what our conversation will be about today. So today we are talking about the LGBTQIA plus community and just Pride Month in general, because as you may or may not know, June is Pride Month. So I'm just really excited to talk to my friends here. They've become my friends now and just hear about their experiences and just what it means to celebrate pride. Without further ado, let's hear from Maria. Maria, tell us. Hello, hello everyone. Hi. My name is Maria and I am from India. I'm a third year student at APU and I identify as queer. Okay, tell me then Raphael. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, Dorcas. So, hello, everyone. My name is Temi. I am a second-year student from Lagos, Nigeria, and I identify as gay. Okay. Raphael? Um, hello, everyone. I am Raphael. I am from Switzerland, and I identify as gay and queer. Okay. So, I'm the only straight person here today, but yeah, let's just share about our experiences and have fun, you know, hopefully there's something that the audience can be able to learn from our conversation today. But before we start to talk about the topics that we've set out to talk about today, I'd like us to play a game of rapid fire questions. Do you guys know what it is? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, nice. Okay. So just for the audience, I'm going to say a question and then say a name. And you have mm, five seconds to respond to the question and we'll move on to the next person. Okay. So first question, when's your favorite time of the year, Raphael? Every time when it's not cold. Oh. (laughs) Oh, my God. I can relate to that. Same. So now it's summer here in Japan. Is this one of your favorite times? Absolutely, yeah. Oh my God, it's so hot. Oh, Okay, next question. What's your favorite thing to eat, Maria? Um, I fulfill the Indian stereotype, so I love me some curry. Ooh, okay, nice. In one sentence, what are you passionate about, Timmy? I think in one sentence, I'm passionate about the arts and being able to inspire young people that you can actually have a um, feasible career doing any artistic pursuits. Perfect. It's a quiet day and you have no obligations. What do you do for entertainment, Raphael? I will go out into nature. I will spend some time in my garden and I will probably spend some time watching a show called Atashinchi. On Netflix. Ooh, is that Japanese? Yeah, it's a Japanese, very cute anime. It's sometimes a little bit um, problematic because the gender roles are very, very strong. But I also use this in order to do research as well. Ah, okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. In one sentence, why are you here today, Maria? I'm here for the clout. (laughs) girl (laughs) okay okay i would take that i would take that okay tell me what did you watch most recently um like a movie or series or anything in general anything okay so in terms of series i'm currently watching gomer girls in terms of movies (laughs) period in terms of i love gomer girls (laughs) Um, okay. Um, the last movie I watched was this horror movie called His House, and it's quite interesting. It talks about this South Sudanese family that tries everything to migrate to London, and they accidentally kidnap someone else's child in order to like go through, and the ghost of like the child like haunts them and stuff because the child dies as they're going getting to London. Uh, okay, we can move on. <laughs> 
Wow, that's dark. <laughs> that's dark. How do you kidnap at... someone by accident? That's <laughs> my part of the podcast. I so many questions. <laughs> Same. That's dark, but I do recommend Gilmore Girls. It's really fun. It's really nice. Really lighthearted. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for answering my questions. We are now going to move on to talking about everything and anything. So the first thing I'd like us to start with is coming out stories. Do you guys have any? Oh, boy. Would you like to share with us? Let's hear from Raphael. Do you have any coming out story that you'd like to share with us today? Um, well, I feel like my coming out with my family was really... So there was one evening. I, was, I feel like I was like 13. And I was with my mom out of the blue. She asked me, like, if I would be with someone, would it be um, a man or a woman? And I told her that it would be a man. And um, she started crying. She started crying. And I, in that moment, I didn't really understand why. Only years after I understood why. But uh, it was before we went to bed and I was like, oh, can you sleep good now? And she was like, not really. And I was like, well, I'm going to sleep really nice. What on earth? And (laughs) the thing is that it never surprised my parents because um, my mama recalls telling to my dad when I was around four years old that they probably going to have, what is it called? A son-in-law instead of a daughter-in-law. So they always knew it. And she told me after that she cried so much because she immediately understood what kind of consequences that had for my security, what consequences that had in how I can make my life choices. But yeah, and after that, (laughs) she took it upon herself to tell the rest of my family. She was like, we're going to play with open cards in this family. So the next day she told um, my, my brother and my father and what is really remarkable to me to, the, to this day, my brother and I are very, very, we're completely opposite. And before I had my outing, my brother would use the word gay to refer as things that he didn't like. Or like, this series is gay or like, oh no, don't do that, that's gay. And as soon as he knew that I was gay, he never used that word again. In like a, with a bad connotation. He only used gay when it actually meant gay loving another man or being gay wow so I was really fortunate yeah that sounds supportive to me if I can say yeah no absolutely I'm very very blessed when it comes to like having a supportive environment that's beautiful Maria and Timmy do you have anything for us girl do you want to go first senpai I mean I yeah sure I can go I can go first because I feel like mine falls somewhere in between Rafi's experience and Temi's experience, right? Because if the, if what Temi experienced was the absolute worst case scenario, then I don't suppose I've actually ever gone through that or come close to that. I've always had the fear of coming out to my parents because, you know, I'm brown and brown culture doesn't really take that sort of thing easily. Um, so, um, I've never actually officially come out to my parents. So hi mom, if you're listening, this is my official coming out. (laughs) (laughs) No, I've never had a sit down conversation with my parents saying, Hey, I'm, you know, I feel this type of way, but I've, I've expressed that through being really passionate about the LGBT community to the point where if I talked about anything to do with the gay community, I would burst into tears. And my dad used to call me a social justice warrior because he was like, why is this girl getting so upset about like gay people being criminalized in Russia? Like it has nothing to do with her, but she's so emotional about it. So I expressed it in that kind of way. And then I would also do things by myself in everyday life that alluded to the fact that I was gay. Uh, Everything that I do, you know, every single thing that I do, and I mean that seriously, from schoolwork to the photography that I do, everything revolves around the gay community in some way. So I feel like my parents know about it. And if they don't know, well, now they do. And, (laughs) you know, my parents have really changed, I feel like, in the last five years because there was a period in time where my dad was 
extremely Christian, uh, fundamentally Christian in that he couldn't understand the idea of gay people. But, you know, recently, especially after knowing Rafi, because Rafi and I are really close friends, he has definitely changed the way that he thinks about the community as a whole. So that's really good for me. So it's, you know, not too bad a story. Yeah. Uh, thank you for sharing. Timmy. Oh, gosh, I feel like I was just waiting for the bad story. <laughs> so I think I'd say that um, growing up, for me, it was kind of like obvious my sexuality because I kind of knew what I was drifting towards more. and. I don't know how, like, I don't know how to explain this, but, like, as a child, like, I had really strong energies in terms of, like, the people I tend to drift towards or the people that I'm moving towards. And I guess before I even knew what it was, I noticed I was moving a lot more towards, like, guys um, in terms of, like, people that I fancy, but then girls in terms of people that I want to be friends with. And the thing is, back home, being a feminist is very close to being gay. Like, if you see a man wearing lipstick or having their nails done or speaking in a high-pitched tone, they just assume he's gay. So even when I didn't know I was gay, everyone around me kind of assumed that. So I wouldn't really say I had, like, a proper coming-out story except the coming-out that I did to one of my parents. I think that was probably the first time where I kind of, like not just affirmed not just like accepted it but affirmed it to myself and this was before I was coming to APU because I really didn't know if I was gonna go home again and I just kind of wanted to like set the record straight and put it out there because I sometimes there's always this like Nigerian parents have this thing where they like to talk about like marriage a lot you know every little thing you know like is this what you're gonna be doing when you're married you know like when you meet your wife like are you going to be like behaving like this so when they always use those specific gender like roles if you're a guy they'll always be referencing like what you're doing and your mannerisms to like your future wife or something so I don't it just kind of ticked me and I just like told my mom directly exactly about like who I am how it is not necessarily a sin per se and how exactly I got to the point where I've discovered this and I've accepted it for myself and um, well, you know, like most traditional fundamentalist parents, um, they just kept repeating those phrases in the Bible and it just got to the point where I'm like, okay, um, it doesn't really seem like, it seems like there needs to be some time for her to digest it. So we weren't really talking for a bit until I started preparing to come to university and stuff. So I think that's when our relationship kind of picked up and it became a situation where we'll just not talk about it. Like, she started to become her old self again. She was joking with me. Like, when I told her that part of me, for a second, I... Like, I was really scared that our relationship was going to end because this is literally the person I tell everything to. But slowly, it got back to where it was, even till today. But the thing is, that, like, it's just not something... Like, once I told her, she doesn't really do all of these references that most... My grandparents would do about like your future husband or your future wife or anything like that. Like she does doesn't really say anything like that. And sometimes she does send like, you know, those WhatsApp broadcasts of like, you know, Bible references or things like that. But it's like really rare sometimes and most of our conversations are quite calm. So I'd say our relationship is kind of better and with my sister, she always knew, so <laughs> there was never a coming out. So yeah, I think that was that's kind of the story with my own coming out. Wow, I think hearing all of these stories from you guys really just re-emphasizes the fact that things are really different based on where you are. So Raphael from Switzerland seems like people are more open. His family, particularly, were open to an extent to him being gay but maria um from india seems to i mean your family is supportive now but you said it had to take some time right um we'll see after this podcast airs. <laughs> <laughs> okay the vibes that i get from my parents are that you know they're not gonna disown me which is what most gay kids hope for is just yeah. to be understood. Uh, yes. Not even understood, just not to be disowned. <laughs> like that's the bare minimum. So yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. But Temi from West Africa, I'm also from West Africa, and I know it's really difficult to not be straight, to not be heterosexual back home. Um, people are not really open-minded um, to different sexualities, and it's really sad. Even in Liberia, being LGBTQIA+, is still criminalized up to this date. So it's really, it's just horrible. But now we are in Japan, we're in Beppo. What does it mean to be queer, to be gay, to be pansexual, to be bisexual, to be a lesbian here in Japan? What does it mean to you guys particularly? Maria, what does it mean to you? It means a lot of fetishization, to be honest. Um, like, I've seen it particularly with my gay friends, and I feel like Rafi could elaborate on this a lot, but as members of the LGBTQIA plus community, we do tend to get uh, hypersexualized a lot of the time, especially from heterosexual men. Um, and so if you if you plan on just having like a regular experience of like a gaijin in Japan, you also have to deal with this additional stress and burden, I think. Um, mm. Yeah. And also just dealing with a lot of... Um, ignorance because a lot of people are just not exposed to people like us they're getting over the shock of meeting gaijins or foreigners and then they have to also contend with the fact that we're not straight yeah wow what's what about your experiences timmy and Raphael? Mm, i say i think it means being that kind of like being a Google, being an LGBT Google source for your friends. <laughs> because the thing is, is the, the thing is that like um, Japan, I'd say Japan is on a better scale because, you know, being LGBT is legal here. You know, there are laws to protect you and everything. But then there's still the socially moral aspect of it because I wouldn't say like not a lot of, but a few people here either don't understand it or similar to what Maria said, like over-sexualized, you know, people who say they're LGBT or just do not feel like, you know, people who are LGBT are normal. And I've had good and bad experiences of all these scenarios. And I think the best way to describe it is that, like, the first date I ever went on in my first year was with this guy that was half Japanese, half American. And the day was initially going well until he started making references to my body in a restaurant. I think that's when it just started to click in the way that other people view like uh, POCs and black people as, you know, sexual objects and things. And it made me feel very uncomfortable about wanting to explore, you know, myself, my sexuality. So I'd say the experience, it really just depends on one, where you come from, if I'm being honest, um, to the way that people respond to you here. And I'd say three, the way that you let it define you, if I'm being, yeah. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Wow. Interesting. <laughs> I have to admit that I'm a little bit surprised because um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that I'm gay, uh, white, um, that I don't get as fetishized as often. But um, to be quite honest, my experience of being queer is so much more beautiful in Japan than in Switzerland simply because of the fact that I am safe mm. I can express myself as I want and I can dress myself as I want and it never happened to me in Japan that people stop and are like oh faggot or like I was never threatened here in Japan because of how I express myself and that is such a big difference from Switzerland and um, I mean, obviously, you know, people can, when they see me, what they say behind closed doors, I'm sure there's not only positive things they say, but I don't have to fear. When I'm running around in one of my, in my skirts and my crop tops, I'm not going outside thinking like, oh, I hope, you know, no one comes up to me and scolds me or like no one beats me up. That is just not something that I have to worry about in Japan. So even though I do agree with uh, Maria and Temi, there are some aspects of here in Japanese cultures that they just don't, 
or contemporary, they don't really have a relationship with non-straight culture, which is kind of surprising because they had a long relationship of, of non-straight culture back in the past. Mm-hmm. But um, as in so many places in, in the world, um, the homophobia basically arose with the people from Europe coming in and with Christianity falling in. So, yeah, so absolutely, you know, the issues are real. The issues are real and the problems we are facing here are real. But as I said before, for me, it is still a better experience being queer in Japan than in Switzerland. You know what? That makes me like kind of take back what yes, I Yes, it's not but really also... guilty. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I'm cheating on this country, you know? No, because no. when I think about it now, I'm like, have I been getting hypersexualized from Japanese people or other gaijin? Actually, not that I noticed. It's the gaijin. It's not... Oh. Right? Because even Temi said that it, on his date... He was Japanese-American. Japan- yeah. yeah, so there's that European influence, Doka, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> I have a different story. I have a different story. <laughs> no, no, but I mean, it's, it's valid. And, like These are just, you know, it's conversations like these that yeah. make you okay, wait. think about Doka, it. ask us a positive question. It's too much negativity we're giving. Now that now you're making us like the angry, <laughs> you're making us like the angry foreigners. No, no, no. Ask another nice question. Okay. <laughs> the diversity in the experiences that you've had in japan it's really interesting because maria starts by saying it is okay to an extent but you're really fetishized especially by um people who are not really familiar with people being not straight around them and then temi comes and talks about this experience he had with a guy on a date who was also commenting on his body i think that's really interesting and then Raphael comes in and talks about something totally different and also mentions that um, his background as a white person might also have something to do with how good his experience has been in Japan. That, like, how your experiences differ just really shows that there are so many things that intersect to form people's experiences. And thank you so much for sharing that. But I want to ask you, Maria, what does Pride Month mean to you? Mm, that's a good question. And I think I haven't really thought about it before I came to Japan because I didn't really have the freedom, I suppose, in India or wherever I've been to really consider that in its most authentic form. Uh, But for me, like in Japan now, pride means being visible, being seen and being heard Um, and not being seen as something exotic, but like really just the fact that we exist around everyday life and just amongst everyday people so it's not like this big huge secret but it's something that deserves to be given attention to and be taken seriously that's beautiful i am a straight person but i like to talk about what pride means to me also because i consider myself to an extent an ally of the LGBTQIA plus community. I am not at the point where I can stand up very proudly and say I am a great ally. But I think for me, Pride Month just means reflecting on how I've stood up for my friends who are part of um, the LGBTQIA plus community and how I've also tried to educate myself and not just keep asking my friends, what does this mean? But also take charge of my own education about um, different members of, of the LGBTQIA plus community and what their experiences have been so far. So it's just been a time of reflection. And if my friends celebrate, I want to celebrate with you guys. So if you ever decide to celebrate Pride this month, please let me know. Period, sis. Okay. But Maria, you had also suggested that we talk about the misconception that people who identify as bisexual or pansexual have such identities because they want to keep their sexual options open. What are your thoughts about this? Several thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Share with us, please. Um, no, because I, I know that when I came out to myself initially, and I'm on this journey for life, so I know that it's fluid and that my sexuality might change and nothing is you know static and forever. But when I initially came out to myself, I came out as bisexual. I then expanded that to pansexual. And I think I did that initially because I wanted 
the option to keep my parents happy by the idea that I may in the future have the option of being in a heteronormative relationship, right? But that kind of backfired on me because um, never from my parents, because obviously, like I said, we've never had this conversation in person before. But a lot of my friends did initially question it um, because they, again, like Rafi said, not from a place of malice, but from a place of ignorance, were like, you know, oh, bisexual people have it easy because you have double the options. <laughs> if you don't get a girl, you can get a guy. And pansexual people, oh my God, like they, they're just straight chilling. Like everybody has, you know, so many options. And the thing is, it's, guys, we're just like you. Like <laughs> people reject us all the time. <laughs> I've only been on like, a handful of dates with women and I've been on a handful of dates with men but it's not like people go out with different people at the same time um you know it's we're basically just like you we have the same disadvantages and we have the same advantages when it comes to the dating sphere of things um so that's a common misconception uh and I think it makes it really hard for people who are bi or pan to really fully accept their own identity. Now, for me, it's different because, you know, for me, sexuality is fluid. And so I'm currently exploring whether I'm truly lesbian or if I'm truly pan. So that's why I feel more comfortable saying that I'm queer. But I want anyone who's listening who might think that they're bi or pan to not be afraid to embrace those labels if that's what feels right for them. Because ultimately, your experiences and your personal opinion is all that matters about your identity so don't let don't let the straights come and steal your thunder man like you can date everybody and nobody and it's okay yes be the main character of your own life yes <laughs> yeah how do you guys think um heterosexual friends can best support their friends who are a part of the LGBTQIA plus community. Temi, I'd like to hear from you. Do you have any thoughts to share about this question? My dear, I have several thoughts. <laughs> but I think the first thing I will start with is by trying to also technically define what exactly that sort of support is. So in terms of the support you're talking about, I'm guessing you are leaning towards allyship, being an ally towards the LGBTQIA community. And I think one thing that they can try doing is understanding exactly what true allyship looks like. So this is when someone from a non-marginalized group uses their privilege to advocate for a marginalized group. So and to be able to do this, you need to understand what exactly are the adversities that like people in that, that group are facing in relation to, so for LGBT people, we face adversities with our gender and sexuality in relation to social issues. For example, when it comes to them survive, like when it comes to us surviving, worst case scenario is like when you come out to your family or friends, they may disown you and you may end up in situations all around the world. There are high statistics of like more so LGBT people than straight people having to do sex work in order to live or to survive, or to like make ends meet, or them being discriminated in the workplace even before they're able to be hired. They notice certain things about you. If a man comes into an interview and looks effeminate, they may not exactly want to put him in that sort of position because they imagine somebody that looks brute and strong. Um, and another type of issue that we can also face is also even trying to socialize. Like before some people will even want to talk to you, they can look at you, get an image of you, and not want to approach you at all. And that kind of like affects the way that we are able to carry on our lives in society. So I think being able to understand that adversity is paramount to even wanting to support us because you can't support what you don't understand and you can't support what you don't know. And the more you're able to do this understanding and research by yourself, the less you start having to ask us all these questions that you have. It makes it more easier for like the flow of discussion. And I think the second thing that they can do is being able to call out people in real life. And I also think one thing that they can try doing is not necessarily, because I don't know if this happens a lot with you guys, but sometimes like your straight friends kind of want to know a bit much. Like they will just come up to you and be like, oh, so you're gay. Can you tell me how the sex is like? I'm just like, um, 
that is not exactly something that I'm going to... I don't know. Like, a lot of straight people, like, I understand that, yes, you want to inform yourself, you want to be informed, you want to understand, but formulate your questions in a way that shows that you want to know more, not where you are bringing hypotheses and you want us to, like, you know, confirm or deny it. Because that kind of just... I don't know, for some gay people, that kind actually strike, like, you know, ignite back some of the trauma or certain issues that they faced in the past especially when like those questions are being asked so just try to be more sensitive and try to inform yourself as much as possible without making us your google scholar if i'm being honest yeah i think that's those are some ways that you can support the lgbtqi community wow um that is beautiful a while ago i also read um something about allyship on this website called Guide to Allyship. And all of the things you just said, they were also mentioned. And something they also stressed on was um, the importance of decentering yourself and not making this about you, but rather about your friends, about the people you want to support. So you just mentioned about people coming up to you and asking, oh, what's the sex like? That's like coming oh, from, yes. yeah, yeah, that's like, if someone asks that question, it's more about them wanting to know. It's some some sort of curiosity that they want to satisfy. It's not coming from a place of, oh, I really want to know about your experience, but it's coming more about them putting themselves at the middle of um, their whole allyship. So can, I think... Can we like demystify this myth once and for all? Like the sex is boring or it's the same. <laughs> The person, it depends on the person you're with. Like, I don't know why it's not rocket science that, like, people don't understand. Like, we're yeah. sleeping with humans, not aliens. So it's, this, it's exactly as you would think it would be. Yeah. So just decentering yourself from your whole allyship and just trying to recognize your privilege and transfer the benefits of that towards your friends who are members of the LGBTQIA plus community. Um, Maria and Raphael, do you have anything to say to this question of being a good ally? If you have anything else to add, if not, that's okay. I don't really have a lot to add. The only thing is that, as I as I just said before, like I have to rethink myself in my own allyship, and I feel like for now, when it is about um, issues that are not concerning me, if my I don't know, let's say my Muslim friends are discussing Islamophobia. I listen and I ask questions, but I'm not part of any debate. However, if this would happen in a context where my non-Muslim friends would talk about it, I feel like I would feel more comfortable saying something in case they would like if they would talk about like stereotypes and re- reinforce those things. If they basically, if they would be at the point where I was before I came to Japan and to APU, where they, where I was three years ago, if I would, or if I would catch myself, or if I would see my, if I would see someone saying, if I would hear someone saying the same things and vocalizing the same thoughts I, I personally had, I would be like, just like Maria did, and be like, Angel, let's sit down. Let's, you know, we're going to talk about this and I will let you know why what you're saying is actually really, really harmful. Yeah. For me, I feel like the only thing I could add to that is if you have a friend who, or a friend or an acquaintance or anybody who has hit a wall and they don't know how to be an ally, you have to be patient with them because shout out to my mama. She was not the best ally five years ago, but. The woman has made, she's made such a 360 degree, uh, no, not 360, 180. 180. <laughs> well, that's just terrible, though. but yeah, she made a 180 and like now both of them, without being the most vocal like activists who are like there and like, you know, preaching for rights, what I appreciate the most is that they will absorb what I'm saying and then internalize the good things and then give back the good to me and to Rafi for that matter like to the point where like now I'm not Christian but when my dad prays with me sometimes over the phone he will say and God bless Rafi and his boyfriend Rossi 
for taking Aww. care of my daughter and having, you know, a stable home and an environment. And I'm That's like, so beautiful. Yeah, so, I mean, if my parents can do it and they were like, you know, in their going to be in their 50s, then, you know, change is possible. It's just on the horizon. And you have to be patient to see it, you know. Yes. Beautiful. And we are nearing the end of our conversation today. But before we go, I have one question to ask. In what one way, for each of you guys, in what one way has identifying and being what you are been a blessing? So in what way has being queer been a blessing to you? Has being gay been a blessing to you? Let us know. Tell us. Tell us the good stuff. Let's start with Raphael. I see you're really excited in your corner. Let's start Woo! with you. <laughs> yes, uh, no, um, I mean, you know, obviously, as we said it before, it's, I don't want to romanticize it. It's not easy. It's not easy. But being queer opened up a whole new world of understanding because I kind of embody like I'm masculine body, but I have a very feminine energy, which which I realize confuses many people. So a lot of my straight friends, my straight man friends, they would not be attracted to me, but yet it was very, very important for them what I feel about them. Mm. Like they would come up to me and they would be like, oh, how do you think I look today? And I'm like, I mean, normal <laughs> like, why why only no and you know and uh, anyway but being queer opened up uh because you're not quote unquote normal side note normal is an illusion it and normal is not it doesn't exist um so you step out of that normal and there is a world beyond that normal that is so colorful, you know. Once you you go out to, through your door and you say, you know, and I wear what I want to wear and you disattach yourself from these connotations that people have given to to gender and like gender expression, it's like, oh, you know, this is a woman's thing and this is a man's thing. And you ask yourself all of these questions. What does it mean to be a woman? What does it mean to be a man, right? And you, for me, I can only speak for myself and my experiences are not reflective of anyone else. I am not here in charge speaking of the LGBTQI plus community. But for me, I would say I was able to embrace the divinity within male energy and female energy, but also understand that I am both. And it is important that you're part of both because the female and the male energy, they feed off one another. They nurture one another in my mind. So um, that was one thing that is very beautiful to me. And also what is very beautiful to me, and this is one of the most beautiful things, uh, me being a gay man, and I don't threaten straight men. And straight men are very, very fragile sexually because they don't have a healthy relationship with their sexuality. <laughs> and yes, and compared to like, you know, I feel like we made so much progress, there's still a long way to go, with non-straight men. But with straight men, we just said, yeah, toxic masculinity, fix yourself, you're broken. <laughs> and we, the society never gave something where they could, you know, look up to and be like, this is the direction I want to come to. And so I had so many experiences with straight men being open and fragile and vulnerable. And a lot of healing has happened through this. Uh, discussions and interactions we had so i am i am blessed in the sense that i've seen the soft sides of many people that i know for a fact that no one else has yeah. thank you for being the resident uh, therapist of the team <laughs> i know we are great do you have timmy do you have anything to add 
I think for me, um, being queer and being gay kind of allows me to understand um, the world a bit better. Because I feel like when you are born, and I notice this, most societies, you grow up with a preconceived notion of society based on what you see other people around, and you normalize whatever is going on in your head. So as as a as a consequential effect of that, you normalize all sorts of phobias because that's just how society is, or that's just how it is. So I feel like you are within that space, you're within this specific group that is now classified as normal. And then when you now go to move to other countries and things like that, you begin to declassify your um what's it called, your spectrum of like what is normal or what is considered okay. And I feel like when you are born and you are already outside this sphere of normal, you are better able to see around the whole thing. So it's like, this is the globe full of like normal people, like who have normalized everything. This is not LGBT people outside that. They can walk around the entire thing, understand the mechanism of how it works, understand the history of like the true history behind it. And I'm not afraid to actually dig deep to find out why this is the thing, why this is the way it is. So, Dorcas, I'm not sure if you came to my um, thesis in ALA. So, in high school, I did this um, thesis that was meant to wrap up my entire experience. And I focused on it about, like, me coming to terms with who I am and being queer and how a lot of, like, Nigerian history and tribes, like, we have a long history of, like, queer gods, like gay, lesbian, like, gods with different sexualities expressing themselves. We even in our native and tribal languages, we have pronouns that are outside he and she. So there's just like so much history. But the problem is when you are with constantly within that normal bubble, there is a sort of taboo to try to step out of it because there's so much knowledge that you'll be exposed to. And I think we need to step out of it. And being queer kind of just gives you not just the confidence, but the need to step out of it to be able to understand yourself better. Because as you're, if you're anything outside that bubble, there is no preconceived notion that you can use to understand yourself. You have to develop that self-understanding. And that initially growing up meant a lot of suffering, a lot of confusion, a lot of um, praying the gay away thoughts in your head because you just want to be understood. You don't want to be constantly re-explaining and reintroducing yourself and re-justifying yourself to other people that may potentially hurt you. But then you, but then you understand where that pain is coming from. The sad thing initially, like, you necessarily can't change it in one day, but the little things that you do help it a lot. And I think being queer, like, relating to that, being queer kind of makes me feel like I'm somebody that changes the world by being who I am. Like, by just being who I am, I don't necessarily need to do anything grand. Like, I don't need to be like Beyonce on a grand stage, or I don't need to be like Malala Yousafzai, like, doing all this hard advocate, like, just me being me and me doing what I do, being queer, being black, like just being Nigerian, I feel like it's it does the work on its own because what you now start seeing, it changes because I feel like the people who are being born today are different from like our generation when we were being born. We saw almost the same thing normalized around. So that's why it's kind of hard for you to like fit in and to feel like, you know, you're represented or to feel like, you are like who you are is okay. So I feel like just being able to be yourself when other people see you doing that, they get inspired and they begin to understand, you know, how other people are different and how they can be who the way that they are. And it's not necessarily something that is a taboo or a sin. So I feel like being queer puts you at that forefront where you're able to understand, you know, what exactly is a fault in society because society thinks you are a fault, but you're actually not. And you are actually now able you are now more able to devise effective like solutions or like ideas onto how you can revise this broken narrative. So I say that that's what being queer is to me. And also I think the last thing is being queer is just being able to have a community. Like I can proudly say that like the LGBT community is one of the strongest, one of the most diverse, one of the most beautiful and one of the most powerful communities I've seen on the national and global scale because when it comes to issues that release to us we despite 
like the harmful things that have happened towards us by other by other groups and other um, non-marginalized folks, we still stand for we we still stand our ground because we know that what we are is not wrong. We know that what we are actually contributes to better understanding of how difference is important and difference is what keeps us moving. So yeah, I'd say that being queer is a celeb- is both a celebration of all of that. It's not always fun because there's always hard work to be done. But I say that it does add definitely does add a bit of rainbow to the earth. It yes. adds a bit of rainbow to the earth. Just to exist. Oh, that's so beautiful. Ah, <laughs> amazing. Ah, how do I continue from where you guys have left off? Oh my god, no, <laughs> stop. They are oh. just dropping bombs everywhere today. Can I? Because I write so much. Can I even follow in your footsteps? You can. Um, I don't know. I think the only other perspective I can offer is being female, right? Not that gender means anything, guys. You know, the fundamental aspect of feminism is that, like, at the end of the day, we're all equal. It's not like I'm any better than you or you're any better than me. And so I take that principle into the queer community as well and say that it's probably helped me come to terms with my own femininity and what it means to be a woman. Because when you grow up in a place like India or anywhere really, and you're a woman, there's this idea that you will grow up and you will satisfy a certain set of expectations. You will marry a lovely man and have his children and then take care of him and, you know, do the chores. And if you don't have uh, any sexual interest in men, then, you know, oh Jesus, like you are screwed for the rest of your life. And so when I was growing up and I had romantic feelings towards men, but they weren't necessarily, you know, getting anywhere. And I would feel like I was a, you know, a failure to the institution of what it means to be a woman. (laughs) (laughs) I now realize in hindsight that, you know, it was just preparing me to be coming terms to my, with my sexuality today. And it only strengthens me and my identity as a woman to know that, you know, there, there was a purpose for you, whether you saw it or not at that time, that you would fulfill in the future. And a lot of little girls everywhere who might feel that way, uh, unfortunately, don't get to have that hindsight because they, they're not afforded the freedom that like Rafi Temi and I have in Japan. So I definitely feel like being queer, especially away from India, has allowed me to like look back on my lived experiences and realize that they're all valid. And, you know, it's okay to not have, like, seven boyfriends and, you know, tremendous love life before the age of 20. Like, it's fine. You'll get there eventually. And also just being queer, like I said in the beginning, a lot of my life is revolving around the queer space right now. So getting to photograph them and, you know, win scholarships because of my queer identity and, like, write for queer magazines or meet people oh my god I wouldn't know 50% of the people in this podcast if I wasn't gay like I literally would not be having this conversation right now so I can only like thank the queer gods for making me queer because I would not have met the people that I met unless I was queer right yeah I don't know and it's made me a much more patient and sensitive person because like Temi said, we have a lot of love to give, even if we don't get a lot of love from the outside world. Like, our hearts are constantly just exploding with love and rainbows in equal measure. <laughs> We're like walking caricatures of the LGBT community. But no, <laughs> like, seriously, we have so much love to give. So I feel like it just makes it made me a more positive human being. It allowed me to work through a lot of you know, uncertainties that I had growing up. And it affirmed a lot of things for me. Like it affirmed my masculinity. When I was growing up, like people used to call me in middle school, Manly Maria, and I used to get so annoyed by it. And like, because I had extra hair and I was like, I had like a really short haircut and I couldn't understand why my femininity was not being viewed in a good way and like now I look back at it and I'm like heck yeah it was manly Maria like 
it it was literally just the gay gods giving me a sign <laughs> i just didn't i didn't choose to recognize it at the time but now i do so now i own that butcher like masculine side of me and it is it is what it is so it is everything will be okay okay everybody calm down if you're gay you're gay and you know it's a it's a great time to be alive and i feel like this would be um since you're moving towards the end of this podcast um i would like to take uh maria's reaffirming words and i would like uh to ask timmy and maria as well uh if there is anything that you would like to share with the people hearing this that are perhaps a little bit in you know confusion and in the need for a message of hope so please share your thoughts as well one or two phrases for me um, <laughs> okay so speaking as somebody who um grew up kind of in the know but not like the no per se like you had an idea but you're just not sure I would say the biggest thing to do is don't just don't try and invalidate like the feeling that you have because if it's something that you are feeling and the feeling doesn't go away it's it's kind of leans to truth but the thing is I understand that wherever you are in the world you may be scared as to what will happen if you open up that part of you or if you try to explore or discover that truth I would say take everything with precaution Like, always be careful. Depending on where you are, just try to find the most safest route in order for you to explore and try and find the answers that you seek. But don't shut down that feeling inside you because you know yourself better than anyone. I would say that's something like growing up, I know a lot of people grow up to think that their parents are almost like demigods, you know, they'll guide you through everything. And they do. They hope you, like, figure life out and they protect you they put a roof over your head but at the same time they are not you <laughs> like you are a human being of your own and i feel like what the older that you get you start to realize that at a certain point or a certain age whether it's college or it's after high school you are going to take autonomy of your own life and to be able to do that successfully you need to have a not a complete but at least a base or a solid understanding of yourself and that's sometimes can also start with your sexuality depending on when you get those feelings so i would say just try not to invalidate them try not to be that person that tries to pray the gay away because <laughs> it's really not gonna go away and i would also say at your own risk just try and find somebody that you can talk to i know how hard this is to do especially for something you don't understand and also the way that some people try to invalidate like your feelings through their own bias or things but i would say you have to look within your own community look at the type of people that are around you like i'm very sure there's at least one person one person that would love to listen to you and not just listen but guide you help you or possibly even just like listen to you rant about things and just not tell anyone if that is what you prefer to do and I think the last thing I would say is research, 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 research. Knowledge is power because it is this same twisted knowledge of how of that people have of religion that they are using to make you feel that they are using to make you feel like you can't explore this part of you because it's a sin. So you need to educate yourself on what exactly, on why exactly people think is that way and why it is not that way and what exactly the origins of it is like or at least the history of it, per se. So being able to understand that kind of... Because I feel like when you are different and you don't know other people who are different like you, you start to feel like you are the problem. But then when you do more research, you find out more, you understand history of, like, you know, strong leaders or revolutionaries. They don't even have to be big people, even just, like, small people in your community who are also like you. You begin to feel more not necessarily confidence per se, but you feel more reassured in yourself because like you feel a bit more, I don't want to use the word normalized per se, because this is not something that should just be like, you know, thrown into that heteronormative category. But I'd say that you just feel a bit more okay 
being able to like come out or just understand how you're feeling and coming to terms with that confusion within yourself. I think that helps a lot. Like knowledge is always power. So never be afraid to actually find out like what you whatever you need to find out and just do whatever it takes to practice self-love. Because even if whenever you're going through something that you don't understand, the best thing that you can do is self-love. Number one, because it helps bring your body back to a state where you can readily accept or look inward to those feelings. Number two, self-love helps appreciate yourself more and it reassures you. As, as And you probably do this a lot when you get older and more problems come aside from sexuality. It reassures you that like no matter what you are going through, that you you are worthy, you are loved, you are valued. And the more you show that to yourself, the more you can actually show it to other people. Because I think a lot of people have the idea, like I know that a lot of people have the idea that like LGBT people have a lot to give have a lot of love to give, but we, some of us also have a lot of pain inside from the years of confusion and denial of who we are and the way that society has um, responded to us. So you need to try to put that love, even if it is in yourself, you need to build that love. And if you don't have it, you need to like start it. So I think like the more you do it, the easier it becomes for you to come to terms with it because you already appreciate yourself and you're not in a state where you're in constant self-hatred. So that really helps if you're in that state of confusion. But all in all, I wish you all the best and this journey is not easy for anyone it's really ghetto out here <laughs> but i think honestly you'll be fine i love how rafi was like one to two phrases and then we gave us a whole two <laughs> Tell me like, <laughs> you have things to say and please talk the truth no i i'm not gonna add a whole second thesis to the initial thesis because then basically schooled us but all I would say to reaffirm what he said is find your people, find your tribe, get a hobby that reaffirms your queerness that you're feeling on the inside. So for me, you know, if I felt a little gay, then I would go and do a little gay photo shoot, you know? You know what I'm saying? Like, get a queer activity. That's what I'm saying. You know, get get your gay friends together and do a gay podcast. That might help you come to terms with yourself. The <laughs> like, three of you. <laughs> yeah, we're, all, we're all coming. <laughs> Maria, you're not serious. <laughs> no, you may not even know that you're gay, but at this point I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is find like-minded people who reaffirm you and question you because when people qu- ask you questions, you're forced to answer, right? And that will make you think deeply about what you're feeling on the inside so definitely find a tribe find a hobby that reaffirms that feeling that you're feeling on the inside and i think that's it like i don't think of anything else other than what temi said because temi had gave us the whole mm. spiel but yeah oh my gosh stop. <laughs> i do also agree with Demi said, I think he covered basically all the most important points. Um, I think LGBTQI or, or not, it is important to understand that healing starts within yourself. You cannot change others, but I guarantee you that you can you will be surprised if you start that whole process of healing how the environment responds differently to you okay pastor Raphael. Um, oh my god <laughs> hallelujah amen yes, yes. wow and um just uh, also just i want to tie into that because that is also really important to me as Tammy said before prioritize your emotional and your physical well-being oh yeah if you're not in a space that is safe for you yet to fully express yourself it is also fine to wait it is also fine to wait a little bit and create that space just to rest assured that you're safe 
And I think that's it from my side. And I thank you, everyone, for this wonderful discussion. Wow. I've learned so much today. And I think after this conversation, I really need to take some time to just recollect everything you guys have talked about and just try to reflect on them and try to just continue to educate myself as well because this has really been a beautiful conversation i hope our audience who are listening both straight queer and just everyone who's a part of the lgbtqi plus community can find this conversation helpful and enjoyable to an extent as well it has been so beautiful talking to Maria, Temi, Raphael. Before we close, do you guys have anything you'd like to, you know, talk about? Maybe something you're working on? Someone you'd like to give a shout out to? Please, the floor is yours. I see. Oh my God, I'm so shy. <laughs> give a shout out to yourself. We, we know that's not true, Temi. We, we know that. it's not true, Temi. You cannot fool us. Uh, yeah, okay, you okay, fine. Since you insist, since you all insist, um, I am also, I did not mention in the beginning, but I'm also a freelance artist and I have my own Instagram page. And yeah, I'm currently trying to do more works and hopefully <laughs> get my first commission. So yes. if you're interested, if you're looking to have homemade art, any type of art, especially with African inspiration, please check out my page. It's called nollywood.matcha on Instagram. How do you spell that? <laughs> so nollywood, which is like um, after Bollywood, <laughs> N-O-L-L-Y-W-O-O-D, and then a dot and matcha, like green tea. Okay. <laughs> yeah, support your local queer artists. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Me next. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. You the best. Ooh, shout out Maria's mom. <laughs> Yay, auntie. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Mama Monisha for understanding and probably finding out that her daughter is not 100% straight officially. Um, wait, wait, wait. What is her daughter? What is her daughter? A, a, a queer. Thank you. <laughs> um, and also, I mentioned this before briefly, but... I do do photography. I do do. Did you hear that? Do do. It's a good I, sentence. Maria, do do. Maria, please. I, Maria, please. <laughs> please, Maria. I do do photography. I do do photography. Um, you can find me at Maria and her camera. Uh, and I am openly scouting models right now because I am currently doing a series, a photography series, on um, as a personal project about the LGBT community in Beppu and more broadly speaking in Japan. So if you have, whether you have modeling experience or you don't have modeling experience, if you'd like to be a model for me, please reach out at Maria and her camera and support my photography. Thank you, everybody. Yes. <laughs> at Maria and her camera on Instagram. On Instagram, that's right. Um, hey, I want to shout out Bluebird Cinema in Beppu. Um, she is the last cinema in Beppu, and the owner is a 90 year old Obachan. And Yay. she only screens alternative movies. They're, they're comedies, but they're also movies um, about LGBTQI plus community, about racism about um, feminism so she has many many alternative movies so if you are in Beppu and if you have the chance I strongly recommend you guys to check you out uh, to check it out <laughs> so, yes yes let's go you know there's a flower shop it's, it's, like a plant shop right by that cinema and yes. I usually just pass yes. by the cinema and go to the yes. plant shop but I think I'm going to have to make a stop there yes Timmy let's go Let's go. Let's, please, let's all been go. A while since, it's been a, please. It's been a while since we had our so Let's go. Come on. Oh, uh, shout out! Shout out to Shoyo in Kitahama that has a drag queen and drag performances. Yeah, I wow. yeah I photographed them last year and I completely forgot. I know they're going through a hard time because of Corona, 
and technically it's a snack bar so i don't know if like it's totally okay for us to go and patronize the place but you can still support them <laughs> you can still you know you can they really said that you can still support really them with it. like clothes and exposure so yeah shout out to you okay please be sure to follow our people file the accounts that they've said and yes this is the end of our conversation thank you to everyone who has helped to make this possible to the kaiwa podcast team the editor is eugene thank you eugene you're the best eugene The head of PR and marketing is Lisa Kayasta. Our yeah, graphic Lisa. design team consists of Karina Audrey Budiato and Kokoro Yoshioka. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram if you aren't yet. We are at the Kaiwa Podcast, and we will see you in our next episode. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye, beautiful people. Bye, guys.